This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Drowning is the leading cause of injury-related death among children between ages 1 and 4, and the second leading cause of death for children ages 1 to 14 years old, ranking second only to motor vehicle collisions. And with summer here and lots of opportunities to cool off in ponds, lakes, and swimming pools, it's imperative that all responsible adults understand the basics of water safety for children. Well, here with more on all of this is Dr. Robert Neumeyer. He's Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and a Pediatric Critical Care Physician and the Medical Director of the Pediatric Critical Care Transport at Upstate Upstate Golisano's Children's Hospital. Um, He's also a former lifeguard and a swim instructor. Welcome. Thanks so much for coming in, Dr. Neumeyer. It's great to be here. So drowning's a real danger. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something I thought I would touch on, um, our definitions. Recently, our team was at uh, the Leon Festival, um, sponsored by Upstate, and a number of parents were coming up to me um, mentioning that uh, they're a bit confused, and they asked me questions about things like dry drowning or other definitions of drowning. Dry drowning is inhaling pool water, and it can cause a problem that you may not see right away. If a child's breathing faster or harder, even hours or a day after being at a pool, for example, a caregiver should call their doctor or consider calling 911. Uh, I think it's it's less important to pin down uh, a definition, but um, more important to focus on uh, maybe something more unifying. So drowning is defined as any respiratory difficulty due to submersion in a liquid. I think what's more important is recognizing the danger that access to water poses to children and to know that there are steps to help prevent a child from drowning. But I, I read a very uh, a striking statistic. I had said some earlier ones in the introduction, but I had like one in seven children that are admitted to the hospital for drowning die in the hospital, and at least one-third of those who survive may have long-term neurologic problems, for example, difficulties with learning, movement, or speech. Yeah, unfortunately, in the pediatric ICU where I work, uh, it's not uncommon at this time of the year in particular uh, to see kids severely impaired or or dying, unfortunately, because of a drowning. So it really is a very, very serious problem. So, you know, this is the time of year we're all around water, we're around water of all different types. Some is Some are formal swimming environments, some are less formal, spontaneous swimming environments. You have mentioned that there are five critical ways to keep kids safe. Why don't we start going through them? What's What's the first and most important one? Yeah, there are really five things I would suggest, but the first thing is related to learning. It's really important that kids and adults uh, learn to swim and they learn CPR. Um, So those are two separate things in a way, but part of the same idea. So learning to swim is crucial. Absolutely. And the thing is there are a lot of kids out there who may never have an opportunity to learn to swim in a formal way. So first and foremost, What's the youngest age that you would recommend starting to uh, begin to teach a kid to swim? Uh, When I've taught in the past, uh, as young as uh, three years old, typically, for group lessons. Uh, You could do something uh, privately, probably even earlier than that. And as long as a child's with a responsible adult, uh, really any age is okay. There were programs way back, I remember, when I was a young mother, 
where they were taking six-month-olds and they were actually, I think programs called water babies, this kind of thing, where they were exposing them to water. They were actually letting them be submerged in water for a few seconds here and there. <laughs> um, have you seen any uh, statistics or you know, any issues with regard to success with those kinds of programs? Or would you recommend sure. people starting as young as as you know, below a year of age. And so I think you're alluding to uh, toss them in the pool and see what happens. <laughs> um, in the right setting, uh, it could be uh, fun, meaning there's a, uh, uh, an instructor there on receiving that child in the water. Um, if an adult uh, or a parent isn't comfortable, uh, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, that that's certainly unsafe. Um, Something else you bring up, though, is, uh, is access to lessons. Not everyone can uh, be a member of the YMCA uh, or be able to pay for swim lessons. So I think it's important that people are logging into the American Red Cross website, maybe check in with your local parks and recreation department uh, or a local community center. There, there are ways um, to uh, access swim lessons, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay for them. And it's I think some children are, or some, some populations are actually afraid of water and they don't expose their children early on to swimming. But I guess you're underscoring the importance that everyone really should know how at least to tread water to preserve themselves if they find themselves over their head in, in a water situation. Absolutely. Once you've learned to swim, uh, even some basic strokes, it's really very empowering and you feel confident in the pool. What about something like CPR? You did allude to that. You said that is also of crucial importance, but it's not something that the normal layperson really generally knows how to do. So what? Yeah. how do you recommend people getting that skill set? Yeah, I, I would love it if everyone uh, took a CPR class. Um, that may uh, that may not always be possible for people to do it. They may not feel comfortable, I think, uh, might be the more uh, pertinent way to put it. But I think um, similar to uh, to the swimming uh, lessons. It's, it's really very important that adults are considering that, um, especially if they're going to have their kids in and, around, uh, in and around water. Are there special places to get these CPR lessons for the lay population? I know that they're available, for example, for medical personnel mm -hmm. and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in terms of would your local Y be in a place to learn CPR, that kind of thing, or community centers for that matter? Yeah, those are absolutely the places uh, to do it. So if you're a parent, I guess what I'm hearing you say, learning CPR is probably as important as learning to swim. <laughs> absolutely. So that if you were in a circumstance, you could really help an individual or your very own child for that matter. Mm -hmm. So what's the third thing that you think is really important in terms of the, uh, if you approach a swimming area, is it important to be able to kind of scope out what you see as potential hazards? For example, if you're in a pool setting, to know where the deep water is, if you, to know kind of what the diving board situation is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mentioned the buddy system. Uh, linking up children is really important. Um, and another one is really looking out for potential hazards around a pool. Um, so it can be as basic as looking out for a diving board uh, that you're nervous about as a parent or your child is too young to be on, uh, knowing where the shallow and deep areas of the pool are, for example. At a neighbor's home, something that can really set you up for um, uh, danger as well is our areas of the house, uh, windows or doors, for example, that are unlocked or unsecured immediately uh, proximate to a pool. So you want to make sure that access to the pool or access to water in some ways is supervised at all times when you have children around. Yeah, and that really segues to the fourth thing that, that I want to stress is, uh, is locking up a pool. So make sure whether it's your pool, your neighbor's pool, or a public pool, that you're comfortable with uh, the security. For example, 
bathroom doors um, at a public pool, for example, coming from the bathroom to the pool is locked. Otherwise, you're accompanying your, your child. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen along with pediatrician Dr. Robert Newmeyer. We're talking about the importance of water safety to prevent accidental drownings. So um, you toddlers seem to be the ones that you hear about so frequently as having accidents around water. Why, why is that? Why are they more um, at risk? Toddlers, uh, and I should know, I have a 13-month-old. They're mobile, and they don't know any better. Um, there's a reason every little boy wants to be Superman, uh, because he thinks he is. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've taken care of a number of kids, and I mentioned this, um, that, that can die in the hospital, uh, because it was as simple as mom or dad or a babysitter looking away just for an instant, uh, taking in the groceries, for example. Um, or they thought uh, a group of adults thought there was more adequate supervision, for example, at a pool party. Uh, it, can, it can really happen fast, and the consequences can be quite devastating. What about teenagers? I mean, I think it's, while you say toddlers may think they're Superman, I think it also can be said that some teenagers think they're Superman or Superwomen sure. and don't have a sense. They have a need for excitement and maybe not a sense of risk. Sure. So what do you say about that, teenagers around yeah. water? Developmentally, uh, that age is all about risk-taking. Um, if uh, he or she is aware of a possible consequence or a likely outcome, uh, he or she might feel that the rules still don't apply uh, to him or her. Peer pressure or substance uh, use uh, or abuse could add to that feeling as well. So just like with a toddler, as a parent or a responsible adult, you have to figure out ways to set limits, but uh, it's not easy in either of those age groups. So do you think it's really important, besides having teaching your children to swim and perhaps having them learn CPR, to also stress the potential dangers around water, even for teenagers, I mean, all along to understand the issue of the buddy system, the issue of looking around for hazards, not jumping into a dark pond, not knowing what might be lurking there, and I'm thinking more like rocks than animals, that kind of thing. Are those the kinds of things you think are important to, to tell your children? All yeah, the way through their absolutely. developmental. All of those things apply, and it's not just a young child. Uh, you're tempted almost to make the assumption that they're old enough, they're responsible enough, they should know better. And uh, I think you really run into trouble that way. Young kids, typically it is a residential pool or a public pool. Um, older kids, it may be out with some friends and uh, a, a cliff or uh, fresh water, salt water. So the idea of establishing rules for your family around water, I think, is kind of along the lines of what you're suggesting. Yeah, and make, make sure you're having a dialogue uh, about where you're going to be and, and uh, maybe evaluating that site ahead of time, particularly if uh, you know your, uh, your teenager's going to head there. So um, basically the whole issue here is prevent unsupervised access to the water with young children and with older children who have more independence really make water safety concepts forefront in their minds as they approach the water. What about things like boating? Because that's something today that is, um, you know, very popular. A lot of kids are out on, even they're out on rowboats or small motorboats themselves. Let's talk about boating. What are the kind of critical things to remember? Yeah, particularly in this area, uh, you see a lot of interest in boating, uh, given the number of lakes. I think the most important and most fundamental step really could be having all passengers uh, wearing a flotation device. Uh, and that's often overlooked. Mm. I think it's it's yeah. not looked upon as being cool to have your life jacket on when you're in a boat with your friends or family for that. A lot Absolutely. of adults don't model that as well, I've noticed. I agree. So definitely having uh, every non-swimmer, but really everyone in, in the boat, regardless of their swimming ability, should be in a flotation device.
And how about use of alcohol? Yeah, it's worth reminding everyone uh, drinking alcohol and operating a boat in all 50 states is illegal. Uh, if the boat is stopped and you're not operating the boat, um, my understanding is that's okay. But um, they should consider how alcohol consumption, meaning the adults taking care of kids in particular, could impact their ability to keep a child safe. And what about things like cell phone usage? I mean, I know this is going back to perhaps the scene where mm-hmm. a lot of parents are standing around a pool or at a, at a per, you know at a private pool kind of situation where there may not be a lifeguard employed, um, I think there's a tendency for people to get distracted with their cell phones and you know, is that something to really be cautious about as well? That's a great point. You can even see it walking down the hall, <laughs> and you're you're tempted to say, "Oh, please look up and don't run into me." Uh, so <laughs> right, there are accidents on ab- the street all the time. Absolutely, when it comes to supervising. Um, your children around water, I would encourage them, uh, keep it in mind that it's a responsibility. What do you do as an adult, though? I mean, is there, when there's a lifeguard there, is that sufficient? Or do you need to also kind of have a sense of hypervigilance, whether it's your child or not, in, in that type of setting? Sure. Lifeguards can be um, reassuring, and they should be. Uh, they're arguably responsible for everyone's safety, at the pool or at the beach, for example. But um, uh, they're very well trained to recognize non-swimmers and those who are at high risk for drowning, but they're uh, not, they can't take responsibility for all the kids. Um, and it may not be possible if you have multiple kids in trouble. So yeah. the idea is, I guess, that all ad- responsible adults who are swimmers should at least have some concept of life-saving capability or life-saving skills? It doesn't mean every parent has to take a lifeguarding course, Uh, but what I'm saying is that prevention is key and every parent has a role in that prevention. So despite a lifeguard or lifeguards uh, being there, parents and responsible adults have to be keeping an eye on their kids as well. These are really great points. I really appreciate your sharing them with us. One last thing, you're part of this critical care transport team. Would your team ever be involved in transporting a child? who was uh, involved in a drowning. Quickly tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So what's really important to know about our critical care team is it's an extension of our pediatric ICU at Golisano Children's. So it's essentially getting our PICU to the bedside of a child at another hospital. So if a child's in trouble at another hospital and they could use some help, uh, parents could ask if our team could come and help. So that's, that's a really great service. Thank you so much for coming in. My guest has been Dr. Robert Neumeyer. He's Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and a Pediatric Critical Care Physician and the Medical Director of the Pediatric Critical Care Transport at Upstate Golisano Children's Hospital. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.